C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I am Maddie Yergi, the Resident Youth. And I'm Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. How are all our campers doing this week? Woo, they're great. Woo! I know I like to ask some questions like they're going to answer back even though I know they're not. We are joined by an esteemed guest. Hello. Christian Sanford. How's it going? To the people Shay was asking questions to. Welcome, Christian. So before we jump in, give us the short intro. Um, obviously, we already said your name, Christian Sanford. Um, how old are you? Where and when were you born? Oh. And uh, what do you do when you're not talking to us? Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, I was born in 1993 in the beautiful town of Birmingham, Michigan. Uh, the residential bubble outside of Detroit. Uh, I work in the city as a technical theater, just sort of general technician. Right now I'm on a uh, run of an off-Broadway musical called A Letter to Harvey Milk. Um, Ooh. Actually, I don't know, if, since this is actually a public, I don't know if I'm allowed to say our closing date right now because it's not. Anyways, uh, it's running for don't a little bit. Don't you're not. Yeah, At some point it will close. It yes, is not it's, some, it's not an indefinite run, but if you're looking to see it, it is uh, on 42nd Street at Theater Row. Um, I only know the family and friends discount price. I don't actually know the regular ticket <laughs> price, but come see the show. It's it's beautiful. It's touching. Yeah, very exciting. Good. Maddie, have you seen the show? I have not. No, you have not. You're a bad friend. <laughs> Sign. I'll get you a discount and everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll have to do it now that it's on this public forum. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to shame people, as we all know. Well. Mm-hmm. Shall we start with our millennial moments? Shay, do you have one I, for this week? I do. I have a pretty a pretty good one. So it starts over last Tuesday, almost a week ago, when I was going to an event and I said, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll put on some lipstick so I don't look like a trash human who's been sitting in a hole staring at a computer all day. <laughs> so I did. Put on some lipstick. Off I go. <laughs> great times somehow i managed to get lipstick all inside my phone case like i don't even know how it happened like the lid must have come off but then magically gone back on because lipstick was everywhere but the lid was on i don't know so um or maybe it wasn't i can't really remember so it was all (laughs) over it so i took the uh phone case off and i threw it away because it was getting kind of yucky anyway so i needed a phone case to like tide me over till I decide what new one I want which of course is a very important decision you know what kind of phone case you want so I borrowed this one from Kelsey previous guest and 12 year old I know I will take a picture (laughs) of this for the um, pod listeners on Instagram but basically it's from Target it's glittery the glitter moves it says 100% unicorn and it's from the $3 spot and I know that because I bought it for her for Christmas um so I've been using wow, that this amazing. week, and I know it's amazing. The point of the story is, and this is, I guess, a trash bag moment slash why do I care about my phone case so much that it's taken me a week and I still haven't chosen a new one that's actually functional. Um, 
I so when I put my like earphones in, it doesn't quite click every time. So like sometimes it's just playing, and I think I have the oh, that is earphones in, the but worst. it's not. Oh yeah, it gets better. So today, uh, while I was like working, so I have to basically either run or am part of like four Instagram accounts for various clients and for this. Although, as Maddie knows, I need to be better about doing the camp adulthood Instagram. Um, <laughs> and then my personal, and then I have like my work Instagram. So I was like on Instagram working and also just like watching random Insta stories because, you know, I'm an adult and I can do that in the middle of my work day should I choose. But I was doing this for at least half an hour probably because I was, like I said, checking everyone's things and, you know, making sure everything was on point. I had my earphones in, but no, no, was not playing into my earphones, <laughs> was playing out loud to the entire giant WeWork, like, bullpen. <laughs> and... Again, I was sitting directly across from a dude, and this went on probably, like I said, I was doing this for like half an hour, so maybe it was a good 15 minutes before I realized that the mu- the sound was playing. I can't believe God no one told you. God knows what I was you. even looking at. So <laughs> it was very embarrassing, and that's my millennial moment. I actually had the exact same thing happen to me with a different phone accessory, which is like such a real stupid problem. Like we can't just own a phone. You have to own a B. You have to have a case. You have to have an adapter. And I bought these adapters off Amazon and they're not supported by Apple. (laughs) So I I plugged it in and it just played out of my speakers on the subway for a nice couple, two or three stops while I futzed around with my phone trying to clean the lint out of it. Ugh, annoying. Very annoying. annoying. Well, that right, is an excellent Maddie? millennial moment. Um, mine's kind of lame. I got back from Hawaii, so I'm here. Um, Yay! It was great. Very relaxing. Um, but I also had a trash bag day because I have a cold. But it's not, like, bad enough. Like, I could have gone to work, but I worked from home because I flew back from Hawaii. And I hadn't been to work in a week. And I had too many emails. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sit at home and go through my emails and be a trash bag for one day longer. Am, am I a millennial for not actually really understanding the term trash bag day? Is that like is that like a common term well, just... on the show? Because I've never heard, like, is it just specifically like a, ah, uh, I just had a lazy do-nothing day and I supported the stereotypes yeah, of us it's mostly that. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much that. Um, so yeah, that's what I did all day. I did actually do, like, substantial work, but I also, like Shay went through my Instagram and took some camp adulthood related phone calls in the middle of the day and like mm-hmm. stuff that I wouldn't We're do. We're very busy and important yeah. and fancy. Very <laughs> fancy. So we have calls that we take with but, people. With people, yes. But only when I'm working from home. Otherwise I have to do all this stuff when I get home from work because my office is very strict. But today I just got to laser around in my pajamas. It's nice. The best of both worlds. Truly. Yeah. All right. It's my turn then. Yeah. Um, yes. Okay, I guess my millennial moment was uh, the other day. It was actually St. Patty's Day. I was uh, at a friend's apartment for a birthday Slancha. party. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I was trying to avoid all of the, you know, green graphic t-shirt, you know, shamrock nonsense bars. And uh, we were at his place for, like, a birthday party thing. It was actually Gabe. Ooh. I think you know. You've met Gabe yeah, a couple yeah. times. 
Anyways, we, uh, everybody kind of ditched out for the party. It was just me and him. And we went to the bar and this girl started talking to us. And I guess the like big millennial moment was that she felt the need while smoking her jewel, uh, at the bar to define the age of millennials because she was 30 and we were only 24. So that meant that, oh, we're not actually millennials. She is a liar. She is wrong, as we will talk more about shortly when I give my campfire topic. Exactly. I was, uh, yeah, she uh, she tried to tell us because he was, the cutoff was 94, and I was born in 93, so still a millennial, <laughs> but Gen Z or whatever is after us, the Tide Pod Kids, um, starts 94, according to a uh, stoned and drunk 30-year-old I met at a bar called Birdies, which is a cool place. If you <laughs> um. Excellent. That's a good millennial moment. I like it. Does it tie into your campfire topic, Shay? Yes, I'll begin my campfire topics. As <laughs> I'm you such can a see, good guest. Look at this. You're such a good guest. So we talked about this. I have several. I have three, actually, but two of them are follow-ups. Am I allowed to do this, Maddie? I'm sorry. Yes. Look how official I am. <laughs> wow. Shay actually I'm, printed okay. things out on real paper. Yes. yes, just so our listeners can have an idea of that. So, um, Stapled Christian, in everything. We, Stapled in everything. I get free printing, so I figured I might as well use it. And it keeps me from, like, rustling about as much. Uh, So I just wanted to say, uh, follow up. First of all, I had mentioned in a previous, or I think our last podcast, that uh, the Pew Research Center recently has defined millennials as people born between 1981 and 1996. So you are well within the range, Christian. Look at that. 81? Really? Yes. Yes. Um, so a friend of mine, uh, Liz, who friend of the pod, hi, Liz, uh, she sent me this article from the New York Times opinion. And I don't want to go too much into this because it's something we talk about a lot, but I thought it was kind of hysterical. Um, so the article is entitled Millennial Means Nothing. It's by John Quiggin, and he's an Australian economist, and he's 61 years of age. Um, but basically... He just kind of talks about how millennial means nothing and generation studies are stupid and et cetera, et cetera. Um, here, here. Basically, just has some funny things. So, you know, I was going to go through this, but I want to have time for everything. Um, but I think it's really funny because he wants to, you know, so now all of a sudden there's this thing where we don't even want to talk about generations. That's stupid. And I think saying millennial means nothing is like the most millennial thing to say, even though this man <laughs> is baby boomer. Um, and he says, when, for example, baby boomers are blamed for ruining America, obviously he's a little salty, uh, the <laughs> argument lumps together Donald Trump and a 60-year-old black woman who works for minimum wage cleaning one of his hotels. Um, so clearly he's not like looking at any kind of more nuanced argument. Um, but really what he feels defines differences in people is wealth, um, which obviously he's an economist, no shit. So anyway, <laughs> we'll post this. Uh, article and you guys can read about it but it just kind of digs more into that pew poll and gives kind of a different opinion on generation studies um, but again I think this this current like millennials are stupid generation studies mean nothing is a very millennial thing Then um, I also want to flag for our listeners a article from slate.com by Inku Kong I'm sure I'm butchering his name <laughs> or her name um but it's about a cultural appropriation in the restaurant world um and we've touched upon the the article is called what did you do to that kimchi um (laughs) 
And I just wanted to read the start to it because I thought it was great. Um, I guess it's a lady. She says, kimchi shame is real. Whenever I visit my immigrant mother, she foists numerous jars of pickled cabbage on me, then immediately takes them back. I don't want your fridge to stink, she says, presumably protecting my white husband's sense of smell. Even though he loves Korean food and, as a Jewish man, sees our culture's shared fondness for brined, piquant cabbage as a neat point of convergence. <laughs> um, but anyway, she talks about another company that kind of is doing some weird things with kimchi um, and food writing it's just, we've talked about this before but i thought it was a really good article so i want to um point it out but also she gives us a different opinion where she says at the end that there are uh authenticity policing is a losing battle even if organized internet campaigns targeting appropriators like the one in Portland, Oregon last year that followed the dissemination of a Google Doc naming white-owned ethnic restaurants can take out the occasional business. Um, but she says it's a positive use of public shaming. And uh, guarding cultural borders can be an edifying community-building exercise. So, I don't know. I just thought it was a good follow-up to our previous conversations along that line. So check it out for yourself. Yeah, Finally. that's interesting. Oh, can I have a Do you opinion have on that one? Yeah. No, you, um, can, you can totally jump in. Two things. One, my mom just read this book, and I had given it to her. She read it while we were on vacation, so it's, like, top of mind. It's a book by John Ronson called So You've Been Publicly Shamed, and I highly recommend. Yes, read it. Everyone read it. It's great. Um, and he basically talks about the effective and not effective uses of public shaming, and really, like, any time it's someone who they themselves have not put themselves really out there in such a way it's really more harmful than not so I disagree with her point of you know it's a useful use of public shaming just based on that but I can see her point yeah. I just disagree so, does that fall into like fusion restaurants like if I went to an Asian fusion restaurant that was owned by a white man is that appropriation or is yeah. that a development off of just a well a style of food and to make it his own personal interpretation of that food so or is I it think just that's sort of... what people are saying is that it's a little bit um, – it's, like it's a definitely gray a gray area. And uh, sorry, she said something that was really good in this article that I thought was interesting. And just basically that – hold on. Where does it – I think oh, personally the... as long as you aren't selling it yeah. as traditional yeah. cuisine. You know, if you're selling yeah. like yeah. – if you're like recipes right from home like Indian cuisine yeah. and it's like – you know, some that's Italian what we said the last here. time we talked about it. I find the more interesting thing to be like, what do you? I think a if you have enough time, like if you have enough time to put together a Google Doc, and yeah, that's like what you're spending your day doing. Like that's fine, but it just shows me that like there's other more productive uses, even if you are outraged about like cultural appropriation and things like that. Like rightfully so, like that's something that you can be passionate about. But in terms mm -hmm. of restaurants and things like that, like. To me, it just seems like if you're going out of your way to, like, shame people or putting together this list, it seems like it's gone a little overboard to me. But I think mm -hmm. to Christian's point and the last time we talked about this, like, there's a difference between kind of making something your own and doing something interesting with ingredients and yeah. ripping yeah, someone off. I love spaghetti like if i love spaghetti and i wanted to open a spaghetti restaurant i don't personally think that would be italian cultural appropriation no, unless you or... were like me christian but you can't from talk italy. about a cultural yeah. appropriation when you're talking about the majority culture 
So therefore, just because mm. you're you're a white dude making another white dude's food, so it's fine. But our Italian yeah. Italians are only considered white like in this century. Like a hundred years true, ago, yeah. they That's were not true. considered white. Yeah. So it's all very fluid, I think. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to direct our readers towards another opinion that I thought was kind of interesting. Mm. But now I have my actual campfire topic. Great. I'm sorry that I've hijacked this entire segment. No, that was sorry. awesome. Um, but it's called The Simple. It's from the New York Times. The author is Justin Bank. Um, my wonderful, wonderful dad sent me this article. Um, and it's called The Simple, Simple Serendipitous Joy of Browser Extensions. So basically, oh. I didn't even know what a browser <laughs> extension was. Oh, they're amazing. Um, do you, you know guys what know is? what they are? Yeah. So I it's, I mean, is. it's, I only notice it through Google Chrome. I don't want to steal your thunder here. Do you want to explain? No, no, it? go on. Oh, my understanding of extensions, there are uh, basically small pieces of software you can download into your browser to make browsing easier. So for instance, something I use pretty regularly is something called Hover Zoom. So instead of having to click on a link to open a picture, I just put my mouse over the picture and that extension runs some sort of software through the browser and then pulls up my image full size without mm. having to click on the link or there's another one that applies coupons at the end of amazon purchases uh, like across the entire one. web i think it's called yeah. honey or something like that yeah but there's a ton of really useful things uh just to make your browsing experience more intuitive for how you use your internet that's very interesting exactly so they, in addition to that, these practical things, they also have little silly things like <laughs> you can switch out certain words or you can have every website be overlaid with pictures of adorable doggos and stuff like that. Um, so this poor writer basically <laughs> – here, I'll read to you the, uh, the intro because it's hysterical um, – a few years ago, I installed a web browser extension that swapped out the word millennial any time it appeared on a website in my Chrome browser. In its place, the ridiculous phrase, snake people. Well, why not? <laughs> the word millennial was being used to describe many different kinds of millennials and many different millennial think pieces. Once I installed the, tr the extension... Any tendentiously oversaturated sentence would be transformed into something absurdly sublime. Um, and then it goes on to talk about the creator. Uh, he also, uh, in addition with uh, snake people, uh, Generation Z would be Zolom's children. And the <laughs> Great Recession would be the time of shedding and cold rocks. Um, <laughs> so he was like, LOL. Very funny. Uh, so, But then he submitted an article to the Times to, you know, go in the paper and uh he copied and pasted and didn't switch it back and time of shedding and cold rocks actually <laughs> appeared in the new york times <laughs> and it had to, of course um you know uh you know print a retraction and all of that and he was like super embarrassed and i just thought that was hysterical that really um i do think that's and, interesting though that when you disassociate yeah. the word millennial with the word millennial mm -hmm. and you apply i imagine that most headlines read as absurd yeah. nonsense and yeah. no consistency like it yeah i just think yeah. it that's cool that's a fun extension i totally have the donald trump one <laughs> oh yeah yes is that where all his stuff comes up as like crayon scribble no, I have not heard of that one, but that sounds amazing. Oh, no, yeah. it was uh, the John Oliver bit uh, when he proved oh, that yes. Trump isn't actually a positive name and his actual German name is Drumpf. Drumpf. So. I like it. It's a very good um, Some other funny ones I thought you can get one where they 
every time they say the cloud, they replace it with butts, which I think <laughs> that's funny. And then... I have all my music uh, on the butts. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's pretty funny. Uh, and then fans of Randall Monroe's XKCD, which is a very funny comic strip, uh, they can install an extension where the word rebuild becomes avenge and the phrase congressional leaders morphs into river spirits. Um, so anyway, so I just thought this was funny I and it. I love that it referenced millennials and also like, what is this world? Yeah. Another example of something cool, but too much time on your hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one was asking for this, but yeah. we're glad you made it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Enjoyable for all. Enjoy. Well, that is excellent, Shay. Thank you for all of those follow-ups and everything. You're welcome. I'm sorry to hijack again the campfire section. No, but it's okay. My, there we go. All right. Who my campfire next? section Washington, is not Washington. as good, but I wanted to bring this up because Christian actually knows those, these people. Oh. I might right. cut it out. We'll see how I feel when I'm editing this. Um, <laughs> <coughs> so Christian and I know each other from high school. Actually, like, before that, like, elementary school. But we weren't really friends then. How did we know each I don't. We don't have to dive FBCS. in for... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Cove, Cove. When we were right. in fourth grade. One time, I'll tell this embarrassing story and we can see if it needs to be cut or not. Yes, please. Um, do you remember in Mr. Prisandero's class, the big red button? Oh my gosh. I was such a shithead in that class, <laughs> just in general. I was... It was this engineering class. We're like nine or what yeah. we're in like third grade yeah. in like an engineering class no one's absorbing <laughs> any of it it's about like gear ratios and levers and yeah uh, anyways i was so bored in that class i had this thing <laughs> where i there was a oh, giant dang. red button and i'm like 10 or however old and it's it's like the size of my fist and it looks like the cartoon red button and I used to just, like, I thought it was a really funny joke to make the entire <laughs> class think I had, like, some sort of, like, like passion about this. Oh, okay. But oh, also, no. I also had the bad habit. There, the tables were made of this, like, particle board that were very thin. I can't believe you remember this. Uh, the part of very thin. <laughs> this is how, this is my first memory of you. How can oh, I forget? I used to, because you could, like, slam into the table and it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> Like it just because it, it would just make a really loud noise because of how thin it was, and I had mastered this art of smashing my face into the table without actually like hurting myself. So anytime I got bored in the class, I would just <laughs> slam my head into the table, cause this really loud slam, just to like shake things up with the big. And no one was like calling your parents. No, actually. Um, like, yeah, this is concerning you. behavior. Your, your son is smashing his face into the table every day in class. That's I think so you should funny. talk to him. No, I never. Uh, I think I don't know. Maybe he knew. I knew it was a joke. It was a sort of thing. Like yeah. he knew I was just fucking around with it. Oh, excuse me. I can't. Yeah, you can swear. Oh, I can. Oh, thank God. All right, I didn't know if this was a. a sort of. This is not for. We children. have an explicit rating on iTunes. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah! That's awesome. All right, I feel. All right, we're loosening up. All right. <laughs> Anyways, small tangent, but... Drink yeah. your beer. Um, Thank you. There was a Facebook video posted by... Who was one of our high school teachers. Everybody thought he looked like a giant human penis. He, just, oh, he was very God. bald, and it was always... I don't know, he had, like, yeah. a lot of skin on his head, too. Yeah. Was, oh. yeah. Um, nice man, though. But anyways, he posted... I've seen this video other places, but 
I delved into the comments of his Facebook post, which is why I'm bringing it up. But he posted a video that was like, it was like an interview, like a, a job interview. And it was labeled like millennial job interview. And it was like this girl and she like came in and she was like on her phone. Like we all know the stereotypes. I don't even need to go into mm-hmm. it. But it was like one of those. And it was funny. Yeah. I watched it. I was not offended. I was just like, ha ha ha. Like, you know, I thought it was objectively funny. And he put in the top section, he was like, oh, I'm sure if they made this video about boomers when they were that age, it would be a very similar video, which I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. astute observation that I myself have made. And the backlash from the boomers was out of this world. Mother of Michael, friend of the pod. So sweet, though. Yeah. Her Facebook presence is out of control. But she posted and she was like, the boomers have done so much for this country and it's not fair to be disparaging the boomers or the millennials just because of their generation. And I was like, does she not know that this is like not serious? And Mr. Lebon was like, yeah, it's like a funny video. Like, I'm sorry. And all (laughs) these people were like, the boomers, how could you disparage us? And I was just like, oh my God, the internet is a scary place for middle-aged people i guess so yeah apparently you know funny enough my mother's only impression of this woman is like i think we'd be very good friends based off of what she posts on facebook like i don't think they hang out but for yeah. some reason like my mom and this woman mary yeah. are friends on facebook i just think it's funny that like boomers relate to people mm-hmm. they don't know maybe that's just part of growing up yeah. facebook. Relating through facebook in a different way yeah but i think also like if all of y'all went to um high school together they have that like common bond and Mm. you know i know my parents still have even if they're not in touch with them they're always like oh have you heard about mrs so-and-so you know that's true it could be a little connect with those people this woman though she posts she posts like a ton of stuff on facebook of like all ranging topics and she'll comment on like anyone like there are some like you know those people that you follow on facebook (laughs) where it's like you you see the stuff that they post but you would never comment on it because you're not like close to them Mm-hmm. she does not have that filter like oh. just anything and everything which i love it makes it interesting but anyways i was like geez the boomers cannot take a joke and it wasn't just her i'm just using her as an example it was like a good number of people probably all of which were parents of like students of his that were like this is very degrading to millennials and boomers this whole post is like Whoa. and i was like oh my god people are humorless these days stuck up for millennials yeah, well, they were also sticking up. I mean, they were sticking up for both, which was interesting. But I was like, people are very sensitive. I don't know. I don't think you can pick and choose on what to be offended about when it comes to generational stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you can't be like, oh, no, not the boomers, but also be like, but millennials are yeah. kind of trash. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm don't. Yeah. i not saying that that's the case with the people commenting on this or whatever, but it, it seems... No, well, they were just like, you shouldn't make generalizations about about any generation so then what and he was you like to this video about millennials yeah and he was like i know <laughs> yeah. it was just like a funny video like obviously a lot of comedy is rooted in stereotypes and that makes it oh, yeah. funny so like ugh. but apparently these people didn't get it so anywho it's Make funny because i was just talking about something kind of like the opposite spectrum of this with a former guest krista teen diarist oh yes um, love her she was excellent. Uh, she was talking about how her aunt or her husband's aunt like will post on Facebook like like every day like millennials suck. Can you believe many millennials are doing this and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then it kind of like gets into this like rhetoric. And I asked Chris, I was like, do you ever um, 
like respond to her and say anything. And she was like, hell no. Yeah. I just thought it was funny. No, I She's wouldn't like, either. engage with that. No, I mean, I have a podcast about millennials and I would not engage with it. Like, I didn't comment on huh. this video. I am well versed in the subject. Yeah. And I was mm-hmm. like, because it's not worth it. Like, I've never seen a productive conversation in the Facebook comment section. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. have. I personally no. have never. No. It quickly devolves into a circle jerk where, I mean, you're on Facebook toting whatever, you know, political agenda you have that you're not changing your mind. There's something about the anonymity of the internet that makes people stick in, like, you're just a stick in the mud. You know, yeah. I, I personally, yeah. when you're not face to face with somebody and connecting to them as people, because that's what, uh, if you haven't seen Sarah Silverman's show. Oh, yeah. You um, told me about it. I watched yeah. it because you recommended it. Yeah, it's and good. I think it, what she does a good job of in that show is, like, reminding people, regardless of, like, your opinion of other people or different political views, sitting down in person with people who, like, you find really everybody's just a person. Oh, that's why know? we love podcasting. Yeah. So Can I, um, so I wasn't going to talk about this, but I feel like since we're talking about Facebook, maybe I'll talk about it and then... And I'm about to take it to a dark place, friends of the pod. A dark place. I'm into it. I just Um, dim the lights. Just just dim the lights a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we've been talking uh, over the last few weeks, months, years, our Mm -hmm. entire lives, a little bit on the pod about gun control. And obviously, there's many reasons why this is a big deal right now. Um, with the lovely student walkout with the kids, which I thought was really powerful, blah, blah. That's not what I'm talking about. What I want to talk about is what a friend of mine posted on Facebook. And I don't think she listens to the pod. So I feel like I can say this, but I, it really like affected me and I wanted to respond to her on Facebook, but luckily I held myself back and I didn't say anything. So what happened was, uh, earlier this week, apparently on the Northwestern campus, there was like a a threat or something and they you know were being overcautious and they like she's a PhD student there and they like shut the campus down uh, everything was on lockdown they told people to hide apparently it was they thought it was a serious threat and they locked down her like daughter's daycare so she writes this very impassioned Facebook post about it which like whatever I'm on board I yeah. want gun control I don't think people should be able to buy automatic weapons and etc 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 um But then she says in the middle of her rant, if you own a gun, go fuck yourself. And it just, and this is always not good. Whenever you go the fuck yourself around, it's always bad. (laughs) And I just, and she is one of the kindest, most, you know, considerate, thoughtful. She's a freaking genius. Like she's the smartest person I know. And I just was like, this is the kind of rhetoric that is leading to problems in our country. And it's the kind of rhetoric that we try and really combat here on the pod. But it really upset me because I was like, many members of my family own a gun. Um, You know, I have dated people who are gun enthusiasts and nobody was in any danger, you know? So I just, it really like, it struck this weird chord with me. And I guess my question for you guys in light of our many topics here is, should I have responded? Like, should I have, like, private messaged her or commented on the post and been like, take a step back? No. I don't think so. I mean, I think it depends on how close of friends you are to this person. Like, if you talk... Because if I posted something on Facebook, if it was someone that I talked to on, like, a regular, semi-regular yeah. basis, and they were like, hey, you might have taken this, like, a step too far, it's very different compared to, like, someone you never really talked to just out of the blue being like, hey, I didn't like this. Especially because the post was probably... 
in light of something very emotional and mm. she might exactly. under normal circumstances if you were just like having a debate or a conversation like we're having she might not have been like go fuck yourself you know what i mean yeah. but like yeah so if i got a message like that from someone like if it was someone like like you guys we all everyone that i'm talking to here like we talk on a regular basis so if i posted something yeah. and you guys were like hey that was a little out of character i didn't like it like I would take that to heart and I wouldn't be upset. Mm -hmm. But if it was just like random Facebook follower, I would probably like double down on the emotion. I, I have a friend who is very much in that. I call him a scorched earth liberal. Um, Oh God. He, he's one of those people like, you know, if if you don't teach evolution in your schools, you're just wrong. Which I think, I think that symptom and the symptom of like the go fuck yourself is Mm -hmm. uh, a symptom of a, a larger problem in the U S specifically of just, social political like politically and social issues that just don't seem to be going anywhere people like it's one of those things where Mm -hmm. everybody is so like tied politically to a party and i think that frustration of being like it doesn't matter if it's the right or wrong thing to do it's against my party and i think that frustration coming from i mean to be specific the right and the republicans being sort of sticks in the mud about gun control the majority of it makes people, other people feel more impassioned. I don't about think it. the go fuck yourself is about the people. I think it is about the frustration of the political yeah. climate that is stagnant against yeah. this reform. So it's it's more so that I don't. Yeah, she if she met if she was face to face again we were talking about this a yeah. little bit. If she was face to face with somebody was like you own a gun, she would never say fuck you yeah. in person. It's I, it's definitely well, out of a exactly. larger frustration for a a bigger social yeah. issue than the people who responsibly own yeah. guns. Yeah. And that's basically how I, like, you know, I was really taken aback by it in the moment. And I don't know why it affected me. I think it was because I was like, this is a person who I consider to be one of the most rational and measured people that I know. And we do talk on a semi-regular basis. But, um, and I feel like if she had continued to follow up, I probably would have said something to her about it. But as far as I know, she hasn't posted anything else. Um, But I think that's why it struck me, because she is so... She's one of those people who is just is of an academic mind and really explores everything. And I was like, wow. Um, But yeah, so that's exactly the same thing. Like, I don't think I'd say anything, but I don't know. I think the politics of that issue and the politics of Facebook etiquette, for lack of a better word, when it comes to political issues are just fascinating and and definitely a mark of our generation. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like if you have, I don't know, let's say 500 Facebook followers, it's like, if what you're posting you would be comfortable talking about in a 500 person lecture hall probably not half the stuff that people post you know what i mean yeah like if you can picture that in your mind or like Mm -hmm. you know would you feel comfortable with like your kindergarten teacher or your grandma like hearing what you said you know what i mean so those are kind of the things that i think people have gotten away from and i think that's what twitter is for right? yeah you use twitter for the shit you don't want your parents to see or i know well now my mom is on twitter so that's a whole other thing yeah i'm kind of worried my mom's like half on snapchat like every once in a while there'd be like a picture of my bomb or something in my snapchat and i'm like always kind of worried my mom figures out how to watch my story because she never mentions anything about it but like yeah well, no, I think it just goes to show you that, like, anyone, I don't want to say, like, extremism, but, like, anyone can get to a point where they're so exasperated, even very measured people. And I think that is kind of counter to the go fuck yourself argument, because if you have that that view, it just goes to show you, it's the same on the other side, right? Like, if you're looking at someone and you're like, how could someone ever have that point of view? 
It's like, mm-hmm. well, those people might be just as exasperated as you, and that's why they have that opinion. They just happen to be louder or something. Although so that's coming why, yeah. from the scorched liberal perspective of that, there are certain things, though, where it's getting to a point where evidence is proving that to just be like it's it's i think especially with gun control it is no longer a choice about opinion we're yeah. talking about but the facts. way and to combat that's what, that that's is what like people get upset about is it's not by being like go fuck yourself to the other side it is you know? yeah. it's more of like if you look at the statistics between our nation and other nations with that gun control yeah. it, that's where i think people are like go fuck yourself if you think anything but gun right. control or yeah. it's the, yeah. the people, I think, they, like, people recognize that, but they just don't have the same response to it, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not necessarily yeah. an ignorance. It's like, oh, I recognize those statistics, but I feel a different way about them, or I feel like the outcome should be different. So that's where, you know, nuanced debate and not I, being like, go fuck yourself on Facebook. I think the last well, thing, yeah, and I think... Oh, sorry, go I was just saying, the last thing I wanted to say about it is that, you know, I think the reason people are more comfortable being angry about their political issues is it it's working, in a sense. You know, I think yeah. that, I, I right, think well, the amount like the of protest... it's like the squeaky wheel gets the grease kind I, of thing. I think it's an okay time in our country to be pissed and to be angry and to voice that. And I, it's... Well, it's like, without, it's trendy, think, for lack of a better word. People, as long as you don't, if you can avoid targeting individuals, you should be pissed about the 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 situation of things you know as long as you're think, keeping yeah, people clearly, out of it yeah i think now is the right time to be vocally angry about the way government and the way reform is being approached i don't know yeah, but i, I, I feel think, super strongly about gun control if you can't tell yeah no i i yeah and i think my thing is just and i think that is why i was it became the sticking point for me is i was like i don't disagree with you but <laughs> I'm a words person and I'm a rhetoric person and I think the way we talk about things is important and I think it'll be something as the new generation of leaders, you know, come into power, which is the next 10 years, you know, um, and the boomers and the Gen X's start to fade out and the millennials and Gen Z's are coming into power. Are we going to continue this legacy of not being able to have civil conversation? Are we actually going to sit down and talk about things and come to solutions? And you don't come to solutions by starting the narrative with go fuck yourself. Right. So that is my platform. Goodbye. No, (laughs) no, I completely agree with that. I think it's interesting that, there's such a, a focus on rhetoric from some of these people that in the same breath are like, go fuck yourself to the other side. Yeah, exactly. You know, we definitely need just a little more love and hugs in this yeah. world than there currently are. We all need to pause yeah. and just hug the person next to them. If you're listening to this podcast with another person, you're... just turn to your right and give them a good, <laughs> good loving squeeze. It's weird. Hug. Is it? Is it, is no. it weird? Cause I use the word squeeze. Yeah. Uh, quick, very quick sidebar. Uh, there's someone in the show, I won't name who, uh, who thought the past tense of squeeze was squoze. And it, mm. sorry. Was it, it just, you? No, it wasn't me. It slayed me. The, this person came up and was like, oh, oh the other mean, day I got some fresh Sorry, I thought when you juice. meant by, sh- by show, you meant like the three of us. And I oh. was like, well, it's not me. Oh, I'm yeah. like, Maddie. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, the, sorry. The theater show. I'm wow. Sorry, squoze. The that just, is unfortunate. Squoze. Uh, so shall we get into the interview portion and i have a question to kick off yes more about me (laughs) yes 
So Christian said he was dumped this morning, and I want to hear the story. Oh, all right. Yeah, we can. Uh, this is actually very millennial relationship here. Um, <laughs> so I was. Uh, I had just gotten out of a thing. I dated somebody for about three months, and the breakup was long and arduous. Um, it's true. But mostly I resolved. I didn't know you were point. only with her for three months. Yeah, it was. Well, probably three and three and a half. Not yeah. super long. Like we weren't over six, sort right. of thing. Um, but I was back on Tinder and Bubble, Bumble, um, and I'd gone on a couple dates, and I, I matched with this, this beautiful young lady named Regina, two Gs, and uh, uh, I actually led off with the Aziz Ansari opener from Master of None. Uh, Which one is that? Well, he has Aziz Ansari, and Master of None has an episode about first dates on Bumble and Tinder, and he opens every single conversation, at least within the show. Uh, I'm going to Whole Foods. You need anything to pick up? Or you like need me oh, to pick yeah. you up anything? So I open with that. Anyways, we go on a couple dates. Um, after two dates, she sends me a thing saying, "Hey, look, you know, I got a lot going on with myself. I think I just need to deal with myself, and I just need to um, be with myself." And I was like, "All right, well, you know, I, you know, we don't have to date or anything, but I like hanging out with you. So if you ever want to hang out again." Let me know. So I, I thought Did I had respect. Did you just want to space. bang her? I mean, actually, it was weird. It was um, for the first time in my life that wasn't like one of the first three things I was thinking about. You know what I mean? It was. Wait, did, are we talking about banging? Is that what you just said? Yeah. Yes, we're talking about. Okay, just make sorry. You're a little quiet, you Maddie. And can't me. Wait. Let's talk about sex, baby. <laughs> uh, but we went. We went on a couple great dates, and the connection was very strong, kind of intense, actually. And I, I admit, I probably came on a little bit strong, because I thought the feeling was mutual that we were both into it. Yeah. And then she sent me a message saying, like, hey, we just want to be, I just want to be friends, uh, because I got a lot going on, I don't want to date. And I was like, all right, I respect that, and we can still hang out, because I still really like being around you. Uh, and then she had some, like, more serious, heavy stuff going on in her life, and I guess she wanted to talk about that specifically. Um, and she came over to my place, but I didn't know with the context of being friends, you know, how yeah. deep, it's how, also like how why... intense and heavy of a conversation can people who've yeah. been on two dates really yeah. have, you know, that if she's going to talk about her home life, cause she's not from this country. So she, you know, she had a, some issue with her family happen and then she wanted to talk about some other stuff and I wanted to just, you know, I know when I have difficult times, I just want to have fun with people I connect with. Mm-hmm. So I thought that's mm-hmm. what we were doing. And then... She ended up staying the night because we had such a good time. Oh, and uh, thank you, humble brag. And uh, did you bang? See, great. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, you know, and again, I didn't think after that. I especially the friendship talk. I didn't think I was too mm-hmm. uh, overwhelming about it. But I did ask when she wanted to hang out again, and then she kind of came back with this whole, "I don't think you care about me." Uh, which is so weird yeah it was very it was very out of, I thought it was out of right field because I, I just didn't know the rules of engagement like of course I wanted to talk to you about the things that are troubling you but you told me we were friends and then slept with me and then had all these expectations like of me you got used possibly I didn't think about that but I thought the bigger thing was she just had expectations about the relationship that I wasn't privy to but see this is what I don't understand who goes on tinder to yeah. meet friends no one yeah so I thought no one touche but um i uh yeah and then after that she sent me this big long thing saying like you know i don't think you're a bad person but like you know i didn't feel comfortable talking about things that i felt i needed to talk about and i just want to date me sort of thing and i was like you know what i totally respect that it was it was weird for the first time ever after being dumped like that i wasn't like no please come back i was very much like oh no you're just an adult dealing with your own stuff and i'm comfortable with myself and i know that 
there are, I had this realization today, uh, there are millions of happy, beautiful relationships. And like, odds are, I'll probably bump into someone who will make me feel that way again. It's not that special. The spaghetti it's will important, magic. but it's not an impossibility, you know. I just, I have, I want to say, honey, I think that you dodged a bullet there <laughs> yeah. because she sounds crazy with a capital C, and I hate calling women crazy. I'm actually very against that. But you guys went out two times, and then all of this nonsense. So we went out two times. Then she wanted to talk, and she came over a third time, and we talked and had an amazing evening again it was like a very intense connection i really do feel like there was actually something there but she was dealing with so much yeah. external pressure from her you know yeah she she had in like one week made a decision about how long she was going to stay in this country she had a family incident met a boy that she kind of liked and uh felt like that person didn't want to talk to them about the things that were troubling her so i kind of yeah. i do understand where she's coming from but Sounds uh, like it's for the best. Yeah, probably. And I, it's it, this is actually a good point where I had deleted Tinder and Bumble off my phone, and they're still deleted. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, and I'm I'm in uncharted territory <laughs> at this point where I'm like single and not <laughs> looking for a relationship, which is a weird point in my life. I think. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like you're a relationship guy. You've know yeah for all the time you've known me, I am in like there isn't more than a period of three to four months where I am not in a relationship like since high school uh -oh. yeah i'm a serial monogamist and uh this is my story That's nice. <laughs> uh yeah there'll be a tlc oh special coming up in next year um so if any of our listeners want to date christian no, i'm just kidding yeah no uh yeah sure feel free to email me at christian at gmail.com for suitors in new york city excellent all right maddie <laughs> continue the interview yeah so what has been your experience like dating in New York? Has it always been hmm. now, like, Tinder and Bumble, or uh, have you kind of had a mixed bag? Like, how do you think it's different from like your college experience? Oh well, my college experience—I went to a liberal arts college, which had a campus no larger than two thousand people, so uh, there was a limited pool of people. <laughs> Where did you, you go to date. college? Ohio Wesleyan, uh, not the fancy Ivy League one in <laughs> Illinois. It is a school named after another school who's actually named after a priest uh, in a city, Delaware, Ohio, named after a state. So it's all just a big circle jerk of liberal farts. And but basically, the dating scene there was like. Well, I dated one girl for like half of my college career there, and uh, but it was a very limited pool. So if you slept with somebody, most of the people within your friend group knew about it and knew like, oh, I don't want to upset Brittany because you slept with her and I like you. And it became very high school yeah. sort of like, well, okay, but we like each other. So, <laughs> But uh, in New York, it's I think it's very easy to meet people, but it's a little more difficult to find something deeper than like internet level. dating you know what yeah. i mean it's i think it's difficult it's very easy to be like ah oh, we're very clearly physically attracted to each other let's hang out and then <laughs> to find somebody who you know i think we're at that point where i personally would like to find someone to settle into the rest of my life with Aww. but oh, i know Christian's i'm looking a to helpless settle romantic. down yeah um but oh my god your wedding's gonna be so fun. Oh my god, it's gonna be a blast! It's gonna be so cool uh, if it ever happens. But it will eventually, yeah. And I think, yeah, I, I don't think. I also think there's an enormous amount of pressure about how 
dating works. And actually this girl, the, the Argentinian girl, um, who I just, who just kind of dumped me. We weren't even really dating, but anyways, um, uh, kind of reminded me that Americans are very weird about the right way to start yes. relationships and the right way to, of things you're allowed to talk about and things you're not allowed to talk about. Yeah. You know? So like, like in what way, like you're not opening up quick enough or like, well, I think it's, Tell me, I'm going to go through what I think is the standard process of courtship okay. in our day and age. Um, you match on Tinder or Bumble, and you send a couple <laughs> flirty, stupid messages that don't actually say anything about your person. And then you agree to get drinks or dinner, and you meet, and you connect kind of from a distance uh, enough to maintain a hearty relationship and that or conversation, then... You know, maybe you go on a couple more dates, you sleep together a couple more times, but everybody just seems kind of distant because you go on you dates. You haven't brought then them you, into the fold yet. Yeah, you go on dates and then you kind of tell each other you like each other and then you're in love and then you move in together and then you're married and then you die. And that's the order <laughs> that things happen and you have to do all of this before the age of 30. Which Why? I think Why that's, do you have to do it before no, the age of 30? But I, well, come on, like, let's, let's be real. There is, there is that social pressure that like... You know what I mean? If if you told, like, 16-year-old me would have been like, ah, I'm going to be married with kids by 29. And 24-year-old me is like, uh, I don't know, whenever. Like, but you're also a dude. You could have kids when you're 40 and it wouldn't be weird. Yeah, that's... Well, yeah. okay. I think it... Maybe... Would it be weird? I don't know. I think it might be... I guess it's not as weird because it's not impossible. But I don't know. I'm just kind of at a point where I realize there's no right or wrong way to start relationships i don't know that welcome makes... to grown-up land yeah it's weirdly refreshing that's why i'm in such a good mood because like i've just kind of taken into full stride like oh it's i'm an adult <laughs> i don't know i like uh... it doing adult things yes that's great christian is having a an epiphany right here on camp adulthood i mean pretty much it started this morning i watched uh, man on the moon it's a hot take a, with jim carrey the andy coffin movie i cried a little bit i got dumped i hung out with some friends and now i'm here so like it's, it's a great day a, it's been a full day spectrum of emotions i love it it's really has would you like settle down in new york or do you want to, i like, think i could settle down home? with a person in new york but i don't think i could start a family here yeah i don't I don't I think, think that's true for a lot of people. And I, yeah, I think that. Makes but sense. that that's is based off of my left. perception of what childhood is supposed to look like. My, because my childhood from the Midwest is getting on bikes, going over to my friend's house, and like their parents making us mac and cheese. But like, you know, in yeah. New York City, I can't be like, all right, go out like six year old Christian Junior, get on your bike, <laughs> and uh, we're up in Harlem. Just yeah, bike down to the East Village and hang yeah. out with your friends and come back before dark. Like that's something that I would never happen. feel comfortable letting my eight-year-old or whatever <laughs> nor should you yeah exactly but yeah no, i agree and i also this is very judgy i've said it on the pod before i went to nyu yeah. all of the kids that i know that grew up in new york in college were weird as fuck it, i think it's because it restrict like because it is a dangerous and big city uh you have to as a parent be more cautious of those dangers mm -hmm. but when you live in yeah, this sounds uh, completely uppity white asshole and very waspy of me, but statistically speaking, it's safer to live in a suburb and you can, you know, no, it's true. It's not only safer, but it's like, it's exposing your kids to like drugs and like even things that are real, which a lot of people like this about raising kids in New York is like, you want them to know what the real world yeah, is and like. I think and that's, you don't want to shelter them. That's the difficulty I'm coming to terms with as 
an adult thinking about starting a family in the city would be that, you know, maybe it is okay. Like maybe I'm just kind of, maybe this is my stick in the mud sort of thing. Like I don't, you know, kids don't have to grow up in suburbs to be good people. But I think it's something, I think it's okay to make a choice about it. I don't think you have to feel bad if you're mm -hmm. like, you want your kids to have a similar childhood. Maybe I'll just like move up to like Yonkers or something. Westchester. Well, I don't know. It's funny because I worked with so many kids in New York for so long and I think they were wonderful kids and they're having amazing, really unique experiences. And I think it will make them very wonderful, full, well-rounded people. But, you know, one of the reasons I left New York is because I was thinking about, you know, again, 10 years on from you two youngsters, um, was thinking about what I wanted my life to look like and what I wanted my family to look like. And I knew for a fact that, um, Maddie has heard me talk about this like a thousand times, but like, you know, for me having kids in New York city, first and foremost would not have been financially possible. Um, and outside of the city, I can make way less money and send my kids to public school and have a very nice life and it'll be wonderful. But I think, um, you know, it is important to make that choice. And I always would get kind of a lot of flack for even thinking about it. Like, hey, if I want to have kids, I need to move out and like establish myself somewhere. And people always were like, you have plenty of time to think about that. And I'm like, not if I want my kids to like have any kind of structure in their life and not just be like I move out at 38 and immediately get like knocked yeah. up. <laughs> so I think it is good, especially as a man, Christian, that you do think about that. And, hmm. um, you know, I don't know. And of course, at the time, yeah, too, I, I feel like, like most twenty-four-year-olds are just like yeah. "fuck bitches, get money." Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> me too. Do you find that <laughs> in your comrades? I mean, I st- I still like think I can I mean, function can... as that mid-twenty-year-old bachelor, but like it's still something I think about would be yeah. more fulfilling, like as much fun as just sex and booze can be. Like, I mean, you can do sex and booze in a relationship. That's what I mean. Too. So, like, why not? I don't know. Shay, uh, do you concur? Okay. That you can do sex and booze in a relationship? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Like most nights. Probably less booze. Oh, I have to... I'm going to embarrass David on the pod a little bit. I forgot to bring this up at the top as my millennial moment. I apologize. But I was like joking around with Corey and we were talking about like ways to spice up the Patreon. And Corey, like Mm. dead serious, was like, if someone gives you $75, I'll send them a dick pic. And I was like, no, that's, no one wants that. Wait. <laughs> but what? I love it. He was like, that's something people would like, right? Like, you're the host. And he was like, maybe David will do it. And I was like, David will not do that. David will not do that. <laughs> you could make this like a I crowdfunding thing for like yeah, testicular well, cancer or something. Yeah. Be like, donate yeah. more than $50, get a dick pic from the host's boyfriend. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think it's not a holy shade. <laughs> His face wouldn't be in it. It would be just the dick. In November, when it's Prostate Cancer Month, but uh, I'll pitch it to David. So I have to show my support somehow. So yeah, I mean, we could we could even we could expand it to like all previous male guests. Yeah, I mean, why not? I don't know. (laughs) I'm not going to be famous, so (laughs) yeah, we'll make a calendar. Just dick pics. Calendar. <laughs> calendar, just dick pics. Yeah, I love dibs on December. Anyways, <laughs> sorry for oh, the digress. But I'll, I'll tell Corey <laughs> that you thought it was a bad idea. It just devolved. No, I think um, going back to the topic before, I think it is good to think about these things, but it's also, and Shay and I have talked about this a lot, the spaghetti theory where, like, do you 
I feel like your experience is, is similar, but kind of different where like you were trying to like find someone and now you're like, I'm just going to see what comes to me. But at a certain point, like if you hit like 29 and you're dating someone that's like, she's okay. She's, she's cool. She's nice. Would you be more apt to be like the clock is ticking or would you hold out for like that special person? Well, I think it's, I mean, I was in a relationship in college where I thought, oh, this is it. This is, this is it. I was actually having a conversation about this earlier today that, you know, I think if I, when I was at that point in college, I was like, oh, this is it. If I met that person and was like, you're really ready for yeah. to be married to this person for the rest of the No, you're not. Yeah. I know so much more about myself and what I want and what I need. And I think <clears throat> as I get older, I'm getting better at spotting those things within a relationship. So yeah, it's not, I don't have yeah. to spend two years to come to that realization. I can spend, you know, I can... I think within three to four months, most Mm -hmm. people, you have a good idea of, uh, is this it? Or is this going to get deeper? Or is it going, you know, I feel like... you know, like, all the problems have, like, presented themselves, really. Exactly. And I think... Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's more just experience gathered and knowledge about myself and how I fit into relationships. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, A, this is the story of my life right now. And B, I think what you're talking about is exactly the spaghetti theory is, like you can meet the perfect girl like the the 11 on the scale at 22 but it's not going to stick because you are not ready Mr. Spaghetti but when you're 29 you can meet the 8 and she'll seem like a 14 because you're ready to stick oh she won't seem like it if you feel like she's the 14 she is Aww. the 14 you know what Aww. i mean like that's that's sweet that is that's sweet. what that yeah you can't i mean regardless of like Fuck general beauty standards or whatever. If you think, well, I, was I mean, it's more than that. Yeah. Standards. yeah. Well, but you know what I mean. Like when you click with somebody, that's it, yeah. It's, but it's also but like I think, I think is, more factors go into it at I'm that point. Saying is like that was not a good analogy. I think what I'm saying is like at 22, you're not going to stick with someone that you click with because you're not ready. But at 29, mm. you will stick with someone you click with because yeah. you're ready. Unless you're one of those mm. people that okay. like, yeah. Just guy. stays in, like, I have friends like that that have been dating for, like, five, six years at this point, and, like, I, they probably will get married, and, like, it's nice for those people, but those people do have regrets. Like, I have one close friend, and she's been in a relationship, she's, like, 26, and she's been in a relationship since she was 20, mm-hmm. so that's a long time, six years, and, yeah. like, that guy is, like, she lost her virginity to him. I mean, like, if you go six years the other way when they started... You're a completely different person. Right. You know what I mean? At this so, sort of early part of our lives. And they have a great relationship, but they've brought that up of like, you know, are we in this just because it's comfortable and like we know we love each other? And I think once you get older, there's less room for that like doubt that could taint a relationship. And like they actually did break up for like a period of time because the guy in the relationship was like, I can't live in my 20s without experiencing something else like once and it ended up going really poorly and he ended up going back to her so like in that way you know sometimes you need to break up and then get back together but i feel like that doesn't happen well, in relationships when people are in their 30s I it just doesn't you have to be as sure exactly. about yourself as you are about the person you're with yeah. and i think until you go through those experiences i mean i'm not saying that doesn't happen that there aren't 20 year olds who know exactly who they are exactly what they want and they found somebody who feels yeah. the same it's way it's very rare yeah, it's it's very rare, and I think we just have to remind ourselves. I I think now I'm like almost relieved of a pressure. I'm not like a it. 
feels reassuring to know that it exists, it's out there, and I'm capable of finding it, but I don't feel pressured to find it, like, tomorrow. That's good. Yeah. So, Christian, let's talk a little bit more about your work and yeah. what are your goals for your life. Oh, all right. Yeah, what do you want to be when you grow up? So, I went to school for performance, and I thought that was – well, actually, when I went to college, I thought I was going to be the next Jeff Corwin. Um, who is Jeff Corwin? Oh, you don't know who Jeff sweet. Corwin is? He was like the crocodile hunter, but he left oh. Australia. He traveled all over the world. He did a bunch of funny voices. Mm-hmm. He's very charismatic. Is this when you wanted to do zoology? Yes, exactly. Um, <clears throat> but I graduated and I moved out the city on a technical theater job. And it, it allowed me to live here, but it's what I've been doing. It's the only thing I have mm-hmm. been doing. Um, I've recently started trying to get into voice acting, um, which I think Ooh. is more of like... Uh, something I feel more passionately about than acting and definitely more passionately about than technical theater. I think technical theater is cool and interesting work and I do enjoy it, but it's not something I feel like, ah, oh, I can't wait to get better yeah. at programming lights. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> but when it comes to voice acting, I like, I recently set up a studio in my closet. You know, it's something I feel much more passionately about. So I'd love to do that professionally, even if it's just like, you know, stupid void, like, commercial stuff like call now 29 or two for 50 like that sort of stuff like but oh yeah so um, can you pick up one of those books and do a dramatic reading for us of a paragraph uh absolutely i mean what do you, what do you want to do you want me to do the trevor noah one what's uh I, any uh oh you could do this hamilton? I went hp lovecraft oh good. hp lovecraft all right yeah that sounds interesting uh, just a random page yeah now okay what, do i have paragraph. notes from the director uh, what am give me uh, give me a style a genre um accent why uh i want you to do your best interpretation Um, of this random page you have never looked at all right so i think lovecraft sort of you know creepy monsters i I think this might be more of a detective maybe i I like the the english accent with is this how we vibe and wait as you go can i like uh, shout out different things I want you to do. Absolutely. <laughs> um, let's see how well this, this goes. This makes me so happy. All Maddie right. just, <clears throat> I could see Maddie think, looking at me and judging me for my glee. My fears. Go. My fears, indeed, concerned the part rather than the future. Not even the physical horror of my position in the cramped... Now you're a 1940s gangster. Cramped Corey. <laughs> Dead reptiles and Oh, the big word I don't know. Miles below the world I knew and faced another world of eerie light and mist. Now Could, you're a southern bell. Uh, Miles, oh, here we are. Uh, Could match the lethal dread I felt of the abysmal antiquity of the scenes and its soul. Uh, uh, so vast that the... Oh, see, I went back to the English. Um, oh, it's very hard. It's very yeah, difficult. Yeah, uh, Thank you. Uh, so vast and measurements as feeble seem to leer down at the primal. Now you're selling boats. Uh, primal stones <laughs> at the rock-hewn temples in the nameless city, while the very latest and astounding maps of the forcios shoed oceans and continents had man had forgotten. Like that? Is that? All right. Now finish in your your first voice. Um, I was alone with the vivid relics. I trembled and think of the countless ages through which these relics had kept me silent. Okay, you are <laughs> phenomenal at this, and if you don't get one million jobs, then everyone is an idiot. Oh my god! Yeah, well, actually, uh, shameless plug: I have a SoundCloud. It's Christian Sanford underscore V O. Uh, feel free to follow. I have a couple demos. I'll be posting more uh, as nice. I do more work. Um, but right now, I'm basically auditioning for 
really dumb fan projects that are run by like 15 year olds. Like uh, one of the last project I worked on, the guy's username on the website I auditioned for was uh, Skylander Johnny. And the uh, project was called Bonnie Cakes. And I was pretty stoned when I auditioned for it because clearly you don't take that seriously. Uh, and I did, I basically just did an impression from the coach from Big Mouth. Uh, and he loved it and cast me and then never followed through. So like I'm getting cast oh. for work, but. I'm getting casted by 15-year-olds who don't finish their projects. <laughs> yeah, so, well, you got to start somewhere. Exactly. It'll make a good, like, you know, when I'm on, you know, Kimmel Inside the Extra Studio. Yeah. 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 I like That's that. excellent. Side note, doesn't Katie Luke do voice, voice acting or used to? You should put them in touch if they're not already friends. She, yes, yeah, I think she did do that at one point. Because I used to run into her at my office a lot when she would be recording at the oh, voice yeah. studio downstairs. That is yeah. true. Anyway, we can cut that bit. Um, Shall okay. we go to our archery range? Yeah, let's go to the archery range. Let's do it. All so, right. Cool. Christian, this is where we ask you rapid fire questions. Snack? My favorite childhood snack, Uncrustables. Uh, Ew. What? No, excuse you. A frozen Uncrustable is it's one of the food. finest delicacies for a young teenager. <laughs> my 15 year old cousin really likes them but sometimes he doesn't finish them and I've had to pull more than one out of my dog's mouth oh because she then hunts them out and I can eats see them. why that would make it less yeah. appealing less appealing and they're real sticky when they get in her mouth and I'm not a fan <laughs> anyway not a fan. go on Ooh. next question um, favorite book favorite book um, hmm. uh, a David Beninoff book called City of Thieves um I also really love, actually, you know, I take it back, uh, something I just love unabashedly is uh, the Redwall book. Um, What's that? Never it's, heard. A, it's a fantasy novel about <laughs> mice and woodland creatures. It's it's very well written. It's a really interesting world. It's a good fantasy novel. Yeah. Um, Christian also uh, DMs Dungeons and Dragons games. I do, oh, and man. I love it. I'm trying to actually start a business about it. Uh, yeah, I want to open a rent-a-DM business called nice. mom's basement <laughs> i like it Wait, uh, it's amazing. what's a dm oh yeah so for those of you who don't know a dm refers to someone called the dungeon master who is also it's known not as a porn game term master uh who runs tabletop fantasy role-playing games uh which is basically collective storytelling where i describe a scene as the dungeon master and you as the players then tell me how you want to react and what you want to do you roll some dice to determine how well you do those things uh, and you forge your own story. So it's it's interesting to be sort of the puppeteer in a story driven by other people, which I think is cool. Uh, have you looked to see if anybody else has this type of rent-a-DM? Not really. So most people who play Dungeons & Dragons, there are the tabletop board games with the cafes within the city that have weekly DM sessions, but or Dungeons & Dragons sessions where players, like, just as several players come every week and they play in a close group sort of with each other in you know, a cafe, mm -hmm. but there is no service that allows unexperienced players the opportunity to sit down with no background experience and immediately start playing. So the service we would offer is you would have a character. So we would have uh, a library of characters you could choose from at different sort of quote unquote difficulties or levels. And then we would have a list of campaigns that you could choose from. So do you want to explore the dungeons of Felmore or do you want to, uh, you know, 
fight monsters or go on a heist. I actually ran a This campaign could actually for... have a lot of appeal for like birthday parties. Yeah, yeah or... I was just going to say, we should talk. I think you should get this up and running. I want to help you. Sounds like a good <laughs> idea. I, yeah, I've started talking about it with a friend of mine. It's more of, I do want to open a, a cafe with the same concept. So it would be like those board game cafes. But, mm. you know, you would walk up to the counter and say, hi, I'd like a medium black coffee. And I think I want to play a level five paladin. And ooh, Tomb of the Dead sounds really fun. And, you know, Matt was a great dm we'll we'll play with him again and you could just walk in off the street and play for two hours for like 20 bucks and you know basically the price of a Sounds movie awesome. ticket go on an adventure equivalent or greater than the hobbit <laughs> i like it mm-hmm. um all right uh did we say we said favorite book favorite movie you know it's i don't think it's the best movie i've ever seen but a movie i watch almost every year is uh Goodwill Hunting. Oh yeah, I Aww. I adore that Risking. movie. I it's something I it's I get snobby when I talk about movies, and that movie is just a classic rom com, but it's one of the best, and I love it. Favorite year of elementary school? Elementary school? I don't know how much of elementary school I remember. Well, <laughs> hmm. maybe all the head bashing. Did yeah, right. I knocked yeah. the, something loose. Um, elementary school favorite year of elementary school (laughs) i guess uh third grade because it was a new school when i got to covington i made a ton of new friends and uh i was the fastest kid on the playground so yeah christian used to run track with young jackson oh that's nice were you guys best friends uh he is my son (laughs) oh that's sweet yeah, there was a joke. Me and a very good friend of mine, who also is tall, blonde, with glasses. Uh, it was Parker, former. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, friend of the show. Um, mm. We always joked that we like if you mashed what we looked like, that's what Jackson is. Like he's oh, a legitimate that's nice. son. Mm-hmm. Very sweet. Very sweet. Very delightful. Um, favorite place you visited? Hmm. Visited. Uh, I would have to say. For nostalgic reasons, I the summer camp I worked at uh, for a couple of years, um, Maine Teen Camp, which is this amazing teen camp. It's like one of the most progressive and beautiful summer camps for teens in Maine. <laughs> um, but it's it's really just like it was. It's more of a place that holds memories that mean a lot more to me. But uh, I also haven't traveled that much, so. So counts. Maine no, is very exotic place great. I've ever been is London. <laughs> That's nice. London yeah. is cool. Oh, on the band yeah. trip? Oh, it yeah. was. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love that. All right. Uh, anything else, Maddie? No, I think that about covers it. Thank you for Yeah, this was us. awesome. And just like yes. uh, notes to the two of you. I think it is so cool. Like you guys very clearly have like such a strong understanding of what you're talking about and like the focus of this show. And it shows yeah. as hosts. You oh, guys do you. a very good job. I was impressed. Thank you, Christian. Yeah, this is really thank great. You. I will take a compliment wherever I can get it. So where can people find you on the interwebs should you want to be found? Uh, Oh, I have, uh, I guess you can find me on Instagram. Uh, I don't actually know my handle off the top of my head. I think it's Christian underscore Sanford. Because there's another Christian Sanford. He lives in Texas and he's kind of a (laughs) A lacrosse douchebag. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And he took all the good usernames, so... We will link to that. So I great. like that you know who he is. And that I tried to message him on watch. Facebook, and he didn't really want to be friends. So. Rude. <laughs> Could have started your Christian Sanford fan club. Yeah, exactly. All three of us. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure. Yay. All right, campers, thank you for listening. We will see you next time.
Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber and there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.